Hello and welcome to this episode of Drug Target Reviews podcast, sponsored by Laker Microsystems. I'm Victoria Reese, editor of Drug Target Review. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Luke Gammon, Screening Core Facility Manager at the Queen Mary University London, and Dr. David Pointu, Senior Application Specialist at Laker Microsystems. Luke and David will be discussing multiplexing imaging and how this compares to other imaging techniques. So, Luke and David, over to you. Thank you, Victoria. Uh, so I will introduce myself. I'm David Pointu. I'm a senior application specialist for, for cell dive multiplexing imaging system at Leica. I'm based in France and I cover uh, Europe. I have a PhD in biophysics and I'm in the microscopy field for more than uh, 18 years now. And I have been using a lot of different microscopy techniques. And now I'm in the field of spatial mapping of protein composition and tissue organization. And so thank you, Luke, to be uh, to be in the call as well. Oh, no, thanks very much. It's uh, my pleasure. I'm Luke Gammon. As I mentioned, I won the Finitivic Screening Facility um, over at uh, Whitechapel for Queen Mary. I've actually been at Queen Mary for about 18 years in various roles. I did my PhD here and then took on running the screening facility uh, where we've we've recently purchased a multiplexing system. So Luke, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, activities in the facility and what are the main questions that your users are currently looking to answer? Yeah, sure. Well, the, the facility was actually set up as a um, an sRNA screening facility um, backed with some purchasing of liquid handling, robotics, automated microscope and some high content software back in, I think it was 2006, um, all really designed to do high throughput, multi-well compound screens, 96, 384 well plates, that sort of thing. But then in 2013, Cleo Bishop, the academic lead for the facility, was successful in purchasing new equipment. And then we updated the, the facility a couple of years later. And the facility's new equipment was kind of really flexible and easy to use. And so we started doing all sorts of assays, uh, all sorts of scales of projects coming through. Uh, and we go really from now general imaging the odd well bait and slide right up to that you know that large 20,000 compound screen um, and everything in between really and these are generally monolayer cultures with two three or four channel imaging but we also do a lot of 3d imaging now and invasion assays migration assays and the sort of organ on a chip type of stuff that's really great and in your role, what is your for you the, the main goal of the at the facility? How do you see your role? Uh, yeah, it's a good one. I guess it depends who you ask, but I, I would say it was probably to ensure that we do really high quality research and stay ahead of the game in terms of technology and, and techniques. Like most core facilities, it just makes sense to have all the equipment managed centrally and supported rather than a, an independent research group having to do that, having to find funds, having to manage it. And it also kind of means that the equipment gets used more. You know, it's expensive. We just don't want it sitting there gathering dust. Okay, cool. So that means that you have also to stay at the, at the state of the art. And, uh, and, and then, so the multiplexing imaging is one of the new techniques that you recently got in the facility. And could you tell us also the context who drives this interest and this need uh, in your facility? 
I would say possibly all the projects are always there. They're in kind of the back of the mind of the PIs that have had this archived material. They've got blocks, they've got slides, they're kind of just hiding in cupboards somewhere. You know, they'll be very precious, quite rare, and they've just been waiting for the technology to catch up. So we've, we've always been able to do sort of small-scale multiplexing. It's been around for a while, but really a robust method and a workflow just hasn't been there for people to, to be able to do that, that sort of larger-scale multiplexing assay. Um, and if you, if you look at, say, I don't know, a rare skin disorder um, or something like that where the biopsy material will be quite hard to come by, you, you need to really make the most out of every slide and every block that you, you have. Or even if you go to the organ on the chip type stuff, the, the researchers spend such a lot of time optimizing that assay and they can spend a lot of money uh, developing those models and they just don't have an endless supply. So being able to, to reuse uh, essentially the same material over and over again is just such a step change for a lot of the projects um, that, that have always been there, as I say, that just lack that technology jump and that I think we've finally got now. Okay, I see. So they were really waiting for a major solution to start the, the multiplexing. And the, so could you also tell us why it was so important in, the, in their work to access the multiplex technology and, the, and at the end, what inside does it provide that you cannot get from the other techniques, the other microscope that you already had in the facility? I mean, the biggest one I would say is the, you know, the true single cell data at the protein level. I mean, you can look at marker expressions, you can look at marker profiles, even if you were to stain serial sections, for example, which would be, I'd say, like the closest to what multiplexing does, even with the best image registration around there, um, you just can't accurately do this. And of course, if you look at the transcription level, which can be on the cell basis, then transcription levels don't always translate to the protein level. Again, you need to see what's actually there. You also don't destroy the material like other methods out there do. Um, and you can go back and do follow-up markers, say, from your initial findings. So you, you could do some level of work and then take a, take a pause, have a look at what you've got, and then that can drive where you go from then onwards. You know, as I say, in other, other technologies, that would be completely impossible. You know, the sample would be gone. Plus, I guess everyone loves pretty pictures, right? Yes, I see. Yeah, this is great. And is there a specific types of sample that you typically examine or, or do you work with a various type of, of tissues and, and also cancer at the end? Mm. Well, it's, it's, it is kind of hard to say at the moment because uh, technology is, is still quite new to us. But so far, we've had things like organotypics, large tumor sections, tissue microarrays. So the vast majority of the work that's coming through those material, but I can see it being spread out to a lot more. Okay, I see. And Luc, as you said, so now you, you got pretty images. We know that this kind of technology also generates a lot of data. So I would like now to talk about the analysis. How do you do the analysis? And also very important, how do you share the results of this analysis with the end users in the facility? The, well, the images um, generated from the cell diet system are, are just pyramidal TIFF files, um, so they can be analyzed with a number of programs. I've tried a few of the open source ones, QPath and ImageJ, 
and they do have their place. But from a works workflow perspective, we went with uh, Halo from Indica, and that's where we settled. It kind of means that uh, it's a lot simpler from a new user to the facility to be able to just jump straight on and analyze their data. They don't they don't have to learn any coding. It's it's very easy to replicate for other users. And and we purchased a number of modules with this essentially what's like the base bit of software. And that's the main one we use is Hyperplex, where you look at a, an unlimited number of biomarkers or combination of markers. And then from there, the researchers either take the uh, top level information out and say, you know, number of cells with a particular marker or profile, or they might go on and do a little bit more analysis within Halo. So they might generate some spatial analysis and then they can overtake that. And that would be essentially their end result or, or they export the single cell target data and then go off and plug it into other software packages. And Luca, I was wondering, in fact, do you do the, the analysis for the end users or do they do the analysis themselves? Uh, it's a bit of both, really. Where we have users that are intercalated students, PhD students, postdocs, it, it depends what they, they want to get and how much time they have. It could be that I would provide some training and then they would just jump straight to it and they would be fine. Or we can build assays together or I can do the analysis for them if they give me the questions that they want answering from that data. Okay, very good. And even if it's still quite recent, what do you see as the main challenges of multiplexing in the activities that you carry on in the facility? Well, there are a few for sure. I think the main one is probably antibodies. There's so many times you can purchase a new antibody and it either just doesn't work or it's not specific. And you can spend a lot of time optimizing a new antibody. It is just really time consuming and, and, that, and that has a cost. And actually just purchasing the reagents, the antibody itself can be quite expensive. But I think the, the main challenge is really just to make sure that the whole process is robust and that anyone can come along with the right training and repeat it. Okay, I see. I think it's a good transition also to ask you, uh, what did you choose to use the, the cell dye system from Leica and, and what challenges or so does it help you to overcome? Yeah, I, I mean, that, that goes back to the previous question. Leica have just spent so much time, you can see it, you can see there's so much time to make sure that what they put out works. I mean, I, the first, first thing I put out there is the manual. The, the, they provide a manual about the, the multiplexing and it's I don't know, some, something like 300 pages and it covers every single component of multiplexing and it's in step-by-step -step detail. So that's it's worth its weight in gold, really. That right there takes out all the work that someone would have to do in a lab and optimize for a new system, for the new antibodies, all, all those sorts of things. They're just taken out of that equation and, and it just speeds the process up for any new project. And then the whole process is really scalable and flexible. And that's really important for a kind of facility like ours where we'll get all of those types of projects come through. You don't need any kind of special slides. You don't need to be tied into any particular labeling technology. And on a broad spectrum, those are the things that we would find challenging as a, as a core facility. Um, and the flexibility of the cell dive system is, is exactly what we needed.
Yeah, very good. It's true that we have spent an enormous time and effort to validate the, the entire workflow prior to commercialize it. That means that at the end, you get a very mature system and validation means we validated the, the imaging, we validated the workflow and we validated, as you said, that's a very important part, the antibodies. And even if it's still recent, did you already get new insight or some yeah, very good results thanks to this technology? Yeah, it is a little bit too early to say. I can see already and definitely confident in the method itself. It's very highly reproducible and having discussions with people coming along with their projects, you can see how flexible we're going to be able to make it for our users. Um, so although we haven't got any insights yet, we can see that a project that comes through that has got 50 slides and they only want to look at eight markers, maybe it can be done or or the other end of it where you could have eight slides and you've got 50 markers and so there's something for everyone. So I think the insights will come, it just takes a long time. All users need to be able to get to grips with the technology themselves. And, and that feeds back into how they design their protocol, what they're trying to answer. It's, it's an initiative process where they, they come along, you train them initially, and then they go, wow, it can do X, Y, and Z. And then they go back to the drawing board because they're like, well, if it can do this, then maybe I design my protocol or my, my project a little bit differently. Yeah, this is great. And I know that you really also support the, the end users to get ready to use the to use this uh, this technology. And this is great. And, and Luc, yeah, last question for you. What's next? And uh, how do you see this uh, multiplexing activities uh, evolving at the facility? What do you have on mind? Well, I'd say the, I guess, next jump, and you can already see it happening, is probably using some form of AI aspect in the analysis end of the projects. You know, the equipment is going to get probably better over the years. It's going to get faster, and you may well be able to automate more parts of the process. That, again, goes back to being more robust, more streamlined, better um, for everyone, really. But already, even where we are now, we're drowning in the data. Even if we take two markers, nuclear marker and a cell marker, we can get hundreds of morphological measurements per cell. And you need something to really make sense of that. We're quite good at picking up patterns in images. The end user is looking at that and going, I can see something. And they'll maybe using the analysis to to confirm what they're seeing or they may be doing it in a completely unbiased way but when it comes to the data thousands of lines of single cell analysis is something that you can't normally spot a pattern in very easily so i think that's where we're heading really very interesting and it's also a good transition for me to tell that we we have just released now a complete automation solution that automates the wet lab workflow so you can really walk away after uh, defining the, the experiment that you want to carry on on the, on the cell dive that can really help the, the researchers to, to go through this, uh, this technique. See, that's, that's how quickly the technology moves on. See? <laughs> we, we, only, we only had it less, less than 12 months we've had the system. And it's moved on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So thank you very much, Luke, for the discussion. No, thank you very much for the opportunity. Great to have a chat and we're very happy with the system. That's great to hear.
Thank you so much, Luke and David, for your fantastic conversation. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today, but I'd like to thank you both for joining me. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Luke and Victoria. It was a, a great discussion and uh, looking forward for the next evolution of multiplexing with uh, the cell dive system. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity. It's been great to talk to uh, David and looking forward to continuing collaborations. Thanks also for listening to this episode of Drug Target Views podcast, sponsored by Laker Microsystems. Keep an eye out for our next podcast coming soon.